On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we talk about preseason game numero uno, early roster talk, and we circle the old bandwagon. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. Again, end zone and picked off. Intercepted by Rasul Douglas, and the Packers are going to win it. AJ Green was the target, and he never looked for the ball. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hello, football's on TV. Football's on TV. So we are we are now seeing uh, players in action on the field facing other teams. Uh, the newest highlight out of a Packers camp is apparently Rasul Douglas is the biggest trash talker on the planet. Um, as the Saints are in town for a nice little little intermingling in practice are we good with this defense's cockiness love it i want cockiness level (laughs) mac jones that's what i'm looking for it's a great sign when the defense is locking down the the caliber of wide receivers that the saints bring into town and talking trash while doing it like stay confident we're gonna have a fun season watching those guys play you, you know this defense is going to be at least good, if not great. Uh, so be cocky. Uh, ride, ride it through the season. And you know it's going to bring momentum uh, to games that we need it. So uh, I, I love you know it. Best. Keep it you know what's best is they know they're going to be great. Mm. Like even the quotes, they are very confident on what they're about to to be able to do. Yeah, and early reports were that the Saints offense was getting nothing started. And the reason why the Green Bay offense wasn't getting going is there was a lot of missed throws and missed catches. So, but what, let's start here. Uh, words of interest in terms of what this roster looks like. The Packers are officially down to their 85 man roster. The biggest names that were let go in that first bunch were Daphne, Malik Taylor, and Randy Ramsey. Are any of those a complete surprise, or are we all kind of on the board bandwagon of, hey, go do what you got to do elsewhere. We would like to have you back if you can somehow squeeze on that practice squad, but thank you for your time. Yeah, I don't think any were necessarily a huge surprise. Uh, I think some of them had uh, injuries, um, and that's a reason why they were let go, uh, to see if we could find somebody that was actually healthy and could help us out. Uh, Randy for Ramsey. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> overall – no, I'm not too surprised. I'm sad to see Daphne go. You know, I think Daphne would have made the team if Mercedes Lewis, you know, retired ever. Um, but yeah, we need we need playmakers at tight end other than Mercedes. So you sound uh, sorry, you sound, Daphne. You sound bitter that Mercedes is back. <laughs> if he would ever just retire. Yeah, just retire, man. No, no, <laughs> no. I, I like that he's back. He's a great leader for the room. You know, it. it a guy like Daphne, who you know has very little chance of making an NFL team, it's just cool to see uh, scrape it and make the team. Like Heflin, right? Heflin's going to make it. Yeah. Mm, he's on the <laughs> bubble. He's on the bubble. But what I think the Packer brass would have said to Mercedes in the offseason, if they, like, if watching film and using their analytical eye, they liked Daphne more than Mercedes, was just, hey, we're going to go in a different direction. We'd love to free up, you know, the opportunity for you to go somewhere else if you want to extend your career. So 
maybe that was a, a telling sign that they invited Mercedes back with open arms. I was surprised they cut him so soon. But whatever's happening on the practice field, what I'm hoping on that scenario, and I, I know, Ryan, you were a little sad that he got cut with his blocking ability. Uh, but what I'm hoping is one of those like gentleman releases where it's like, hey, we're going to give you an opportunity to catch on in someone else's training camp, just knowing we don't have the roster spots for you. And it kind of looks that way with how many tight ends we have in camp right now. Yeah, and I shared this stat. I don't even know if it's 100% accurate. I thought I read it that PFF had him as the second best blocking tight end in the NFL. And there was definitely some plays that he he was rumbling out front, and it was fun to see. And it, he always felt like this guy that almost brought this uh, underrated energy to the group at some point that he'd really lay some people out, and it was fun to see. But I just hope they truly believe in Davis and uh, Becker and all these other guys that they're bringing in because so far – We'll we'll see what happens at this tight end position, but there's no way Tunyon's healthy enough, right, for week one. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because three very specific players came back off the pup lift and have been returning to practice. Tanyan, Jenkins, and Watson. Out of those three, who are you most excited to see back on the practice practice field? Jenkins, Jenkins, Jenkins. Let me go first. <laughs> Jenkins, Jenkins. Can I can I get two votes for Jenkins? <laughs> I think we can cover up uh, the other two scenarios. You know, they're not ideal. Good to see them back on the field. But Jenkins, I mean, that's one self-explanatory. You got Zach Tom, Royce Newman, some unknown quantities floating around. Yash Nyman did okay. We don't know when Bakhtiari's back. Insert pro bowler. Yeah, Jenkins. Yeah, and when I heard that he was lining up at right tackle, I was just like, man, could you just imagine Bakhtiari, left tackle, him, right tackle, and then everybody else that's been playing decent in the middle? Oh, that'd be nice. Um, but I'm actually going Tunyon. Uh, I, I believe that Tunyon has a chance to really make a huge impact this year. Like you said, it's probably going to have to come a little bit later, uh, not right away at the beginning of the season, but he needs to make a presence over the middle slash anyone needs to make a presence over the middle tight end wise. I, I think that he could be a, a guy that can draw some double coverage over the middle. You know, if he can have some success and actually loosen up the coverage a little for wideouts that aren't as experienced. So if he can have success over the middle, I think that that'll open up our offense a little bit and help out these younger wideouts on the outside. The process of elimination, I, I agree. I think Jenkins just having that stability back is just monstrous, especially with the issues that Bakhtiari has had. But I think there's also something exciting about this wide receiver room. And I, I, I think coming into this year, we were kind of hoping that between Watson and Dobbs, we would have at least something. We'd have some kind of diamond in the rough, there, one of which we almost went to the first round to get. Dobbs, by all accounts, is living up to what a a pro rookie should do. It'll be very interesting to see, is there some way that Christian Watson can almost match or get in that somehow that territory of feeling good about, are they going to make mistakes? Are there going to be drop balls? Yes. But if we can catch lightning in a bottle, I think it's very, very exciting. And I you never want... A receiver to kind of struggle in the beginning. We saw it last year with Amari Rogers. Slow start. 
met a slow year. So the last thing I want is somebody like Watson to come in, not really get their feet under him, not be involved. And all of a sudden we're kind of searching and seeing, well, sophomore year, we'll see you again. Uh, but I'm kind of excited to see if he can kind of make that transition and get more active because there's a lot of excitement for youngsters on this team. I just hope that he can be included in it. I never even thought about that. Uh, just thinking like the way Dobbs is performing, that how could Watson match it? But you're right. If Watson matches that in your two wide receiver picks, your top two wide receiver picks, I should say, no offense to Samari Torre, uh, but if they both show the potential and the actual, you know, production on the field for four or 500 yards and four or five touchdowns, the excitement level all of a sudden would be like the wide receiver is the worst position on the team to like, we got two dudes at wide receiver. So yeah. maybe that keep Rogers coming back for a few extra years. Yeah. And it, you know, I probably wanted not. to point out, yeah, probably, <laughs> uh, Dobbs, you know, he, he looked like a legit pro in, in the game. I, I, I really thought, you know, how good he of a did. pro who knows, but he knew what he was doing. He was getting open. You could see love was looking his way consistently. Um, so there's even a trust factor there. Um, but, he reminded me of Adams when he was younger. You know, the Adams, when he was younger, he could run routes, he could get open, but he had troubles catching the ball, um, you know, bricks for hands, essentially. And that that's exactly what you see with uh, Dobbs. Even with the bomb in practice against the Saints, it was an easy breadbasket catch that he just bobbled and dropped. So if he can just start catching the ball, the dude is going to be good. Yeah, I mean, hype train all aboard on this thing, right? I mean, Brian, yeah. it, <laughs> I think I think you're going to ask a question as part of our uh, uh, flow today of have you ever seen someone more hyped than Romeo Dobbs is getting? But let's let's put some backdrop behind that of they paired Jair Alexander, a well-respected top five corner in the league, against him in practice to try to give him good competition. And that's not a team that only has one good cornerback on the roster. We got Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas, who he was beating. And then the Saints come into town, and he's getting pass interference penalties against Marcus Lattimore, who's another top five, top ten. I don't know the cornerback rankings off the top of my head for other teams. Uh, well-respected corner. And this guy's 22 years old. It's like, holy smokes, like, do we have that good of a talent in camp that we drafted in the fourth round? Like, How much of a steal was this? And that was one of my questions I sent in a text message prior to this even preseason game, prior to what they're doing in this intramural practices. Like, the hype, I don't remember a player in a long, long time in which everybody was zoned in on. You I know? don't know. Like, I don't remember, especially for a rookie. I mean, we've had Eddie some... Lacy days. <laughs> yeah, I don't even uh, know. Right? He sure performed early. <laughs> but, yeah. Ahmad Carroll, the speed yeah. infatuation. But it's like maybe Charles Woodson when he signed as a free agent, there was a lot of buzz around oh, that. I but thought like you meant by rookies, any Packers signing? Yeah, yeah. But like, but that's what I'm saying. I I I feel very very confident with, within the rookie category. Nobody in our lifetime has done it. But I'm I'm thinking he might be even top three of like anybody that's ever been added to a Packers roster. I just don't remember. Ready this play. legitimate ex- excitement. Okay, let, let's let's put it this way, or let's uh, throw this question out to Ryan and Josh. Uh, what are the 
percentage chances that this is one of those fabled training camp hype stories that week one he gets like one snap and he just doesn't produce this season? What are the chances? I think it's likely. Give me a number. 90, 90%. 90%? That he's going to, that he's going to not? He's, he's got he, he's got some serious catch issues, and they're going to give him a chance. They're going to give him a chance. But as soon as you start dropping balls in games, that's when you get benched. And, yes, he'll get a second chance next year or later in the year. Whoa. But if he doesn't start catching the ball consistently, he won't be out there. No, he – I no. Uh, you're looking at MVS last year that was <laughs> – No. MVS had a catch rate of like 45%. And he was still out there whenever we possibly could get He's him out there. He's got $10 million from Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Dobbs will be out there. I, I really do think if I'm being a betting man, I think he's that awesome number two receiver in the NFL. Like I don't I don't think that I, I've ratcheted up my expectations that this is the next uh, Debo, that this is the next, wow, this guy is going to go next level in the NFL. But I do think he's just going to be that guy that's just a Packer for eight years, and it's just like you feel like you have getting quality yards and touchdowns out of him year in and year out. Mm-hmm. I, I could see that being a case. His, but. his footwork at the line of scrimmage, how he beats the corners yes. with his Correct. feet re, is what reminds me of Adams too. Like For a rookie to be able to do those type of moves is very impressive, um, and to come out clean, you know, running full speed with doing it. So. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's exciting things, but you got to catch the ball. I I like the wide spectrum because I just wanted to level set with everyone listening that everything coming out of camp is amazing, but there's always this guy every year. And it doesn't mean week one he's targeted eight times with six catches for 85 yards and a touchdown, right? Like this this is a progression. So let him progress. There's going to be, you know, uh, what do they say? Progression is not linear. Like there's going to be dips in in his uh, production. But everything you're hearing says, hey, the the three-year trajectory here is amazing. Is it weird to say that I kind of hope that he's the outside version of Donald Driver? A guy that you're just like, this is the dude. I, lo- I love this guy. This is He's going to be productive in some way. Is Until he's weird? on every billboard and quick trip uh, <laughs> yeah. advertisement, I won't believe it. Well, that's a little bit of a segue into preseason game number one. We ended up losing. We go. How are we going out to San Francisco, by the way? Even when we don't have a regular season game in San Francisco, we still go out there for preseason. I don't. It's it's so rigged. I can't even believe it. Twenty eight to twenty one was the final score. Uh, it the secondaries for for both teams were just not quite what they needed to be. That being said. Dobbs, who we just talked about, probably could have had with a good thrown ball about three touchdowns. Love ended the game, though. That's the kind of the talk out of this preseason game that if you looked at purely the box score, he ended at 13 for 24, 176 yards, two touchdowns and three interceptions. But I will say right off the bat and Rogers came out today talking about it. Interception number one should have been caught, and it wasn't. Interception number two was a real fluky play in which they actually gave the Packers the ball at first at first kind of uh, review. And then the third one was an atrocious uh, interception. So I think things change a little bit. If we end up at 176 or 190, two touchdowns, one interception, I think we feel a lot different about how we, he played in this game. But are we starting to get a little nervous about whether love is actually going to be something? Is it too early? And I would also throw in another player, Amari Rogers, who got a lot of talk with his finally kind of 
coming out, losing the weight, and being part of the return game. Where's our worry level in terms of those two guys? I have no worry about Jordan Love, and it's not for the reason you think. I don't care how good or how bad he looks. If Aaron Rodgers goes down, we suck. I, I, I think Jordan Love's shown in the first two years he's not the next Pat Mahomes. He's not a Josh Allen. He's not one of these guys that's going to just seamlessly transition from Aaron Rodgers and carry the franchise for 10 years. Uh, how good he can play in games two, three, and four, maybe open up trade bait. But we all think Rodgers is here for at a minimum one, but probably two more years. And I don't think Jordan Love is the successor. Um, so I'd, as as much as like training camp headlines are focusing on how he performs, I think it's trade bait at best, and I, I'm not too concerned by it, whether he's good or bad. I, I think yeah. like every like every other NFL team, if if your QB one goes down, you're not winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, it it's sad, you know, because I do think he does have some talent. I think it was stupid of the Packers to draft him. Um, you know, cause I think if he actually landed on a different team, his story might be a little different. Um, you know, having a chance to actually get some reps and actually do some things, but for him to just now feel confident, um, you know, and look confident on the field is concerning enough. You know, he should have looked confident drafting a first round quarterback his first year, even if he was making mistakes, at least he looks confident on the field, you know, he looked decent in the preseason game. You know, he made some really good throws, but some really bad throws. Um, you know, he's playing with a beat up line. Um, but like Dan said, I think the timing is just wrong. I, I don't see him being the successor. Uh, you know, yay for a good backup. You know, maybe we could trade him. But yeah. How about Amari? Uh, How about Amari? Yeah, Amari, I very similar vibe you know i feel like he should have done this last year he even said this year that he came out of shape last year and really felt it uh, at the beginning of the season and definitely towards the end of the season couldn't keep up he said he did a ton of training speed training in the off season and you could see it the dude looks a little quicker but you know yeah he showed out a little in the kick return and that nice run after catch but i i still don't see any elite talent there you know i i see a very good backup yeah maybe a special teamer with returning it's sad because i was really high on him you know pre-draft but i i just don't see him doing any damage really honestly i I uh, am indifferent on love, similar to Dan. I think it's a little – my biggest red flag, even though we've now listed off probably too many, is the amount of times you throw to the wrong shoulder <laughs> in San Francisco, which is like probably not good if we're not yeah, thinking even about the Dubs touchdown to was pretty much the wrong shoulder. <laughs> it's just like, oh, boy. And so it, this is probably the, the most love talk we'll have. Uh, I say that now, and we'll we'll probably bring him up. No, no, not going. No. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think the one good thing about uh, Amari is I think you know you talk about well maybe he's just a special team guy, but on a team that struggles in special teams specifically return, if he becomes that return guy, I am fine with it. We need somebody like that because we haven't had that consistency in a long, long time. So if it ends up being that he's almost this sixth or seventh receiver and he's just a special teams guy and we feel confident in him being a special teams guy, I'm all for it because, you know, there's a lot of rookies that come into their first year completely not prepared. 
AJ Dillon came in what 20, 25 pounds overweight. Like there's a lot of guys that see that paycheck, have fun, party because they're an NFL dude, and then all of a sudden come up on the stage and go, oh my god. So if he can just be a, I don't need an outstanding, a B plus returner, no one to fair catch it, no one to run out of bounds. But if he can break one off here and there, I'm fine with him being on this roster. You know what I loved about Josh using the word damage for I don't know what kind of damage Amari can do is that I don't know if damage is positive or negative based on his special teams <laughs> performance. <laughs> all right, moving on. <laughs> That's all I got on that anymore. <laughs> so we're going to wrap up this uh, this episode with a little bandwagon time. We're going to circle the wagons. We're going to talk, I think, mostly positive. We might throw in a few negatives, but is there somebody on this team, and we're going to keep Dobbs off it for now because he's on everybody's bandwagon, but is there a guy? that you look at and go, I am on this guy's bandwagon. Let's roll. Quay Walker, 100%. Give me your first pick. <laughs> <laughs> no, Quay, Quay Walker for sure. Uh, I think the damage him and Devondre Campbell are going to do this year is going to be noticeable and talked about often because we have a defensive line finally in front of them that can actually – handle the run themselves and then create some space for these guys to do some damage and pass coverage and blitzing. So, you know, Quay Walker, I think his stats are going to be through the roof, especially I think he's going to get in on the sack game quite a bit. Um, So exciting to see them do it. Ryan, you go ahead because I got two choices and I want to see if you pick one, make my decision even easier. I actually had, uh, for one split second, Barnes, because of how good those two played, that I feel like Barnes is the perfect third-string linebacker because he always just got worn down. But I'm going to go with, uh, we loved, I think this podcast loved a man named Kingsley when his last name was Kiki, and that obviously did not work out. But it, Ign- well played. Ignagbar? Well played. <laughs> Ignagbar? Is that yep. the uh, pronunciation? Yep. 100%. Yep. I I know that we we have a tendency to do a late round pick, somebody out of a, an SEC type of school that we just go physical specimen edge can kind of go inside and it never kind of works out. They they play here and there, but it's just kind of like oh he's there. This dude though, I I mean he had two QB hits in this preseason game, and then you hear the amount of times. Uh, that the, the the beat writers and stuff like that in practice are saying he's shutting down the edge and he's making sure that they're pushed inside and they're doing everything. This guy looks to be in the right position. He's hungry. He's an absolute animal when it comes to physicality. This guy and and the D-line as a whole, I don't know if I was prepared to go from we have Kenny Clark and half of, of a Lowry to we might be five or six D- D-line just deep plus Preston plus Gary. I am just man, I am I'm ready for him to be the Kingsley we always thought the former Kingsley was going to be. I like that and it, it probably shows in the the letting go of Randy Ramsey as they're they're looking at four or five that they're getting fairly comfortable with. I'm surprised nobody went Zach Tom. Ooh, good one. Yeah, good I'm also on his bandwagon. Yes. I, th- mm. I thought that was an easy one getting first team reps right away. Uh, right tackle and right guard sort of shifting around it's he's just 
starting to fit that description of a Packer lineman of uh, position versatility and uh, inside or outside. It sounds like while a little uh, outside, a little outsized, undersized for the outside position is what I'm trying to say, uh, is that he could still float out to tackle and then come back inside. And, you know, if Royce Newman is struggling like he had for patches the last year, uh, go back inside. But that actually wasn't my pick. The guy I find myself rooting for to make the roster, which is the way I took this this uh, segment here, because it, it looks like Zach Tom's going to make the roster and maybe even contribute, which would be interesting. But the guy I'm finding myself on the bubble to make the roster, and I'm really pulling for him, is Tyler Goodson, running back from Iowa. Yes, yes, three, yes, good three, one too. Yeah, three-year career there. Uh, he put up like over 2,000 yards. Uh, he had 70-plus receptions, about 250 yards receiving in his final season, double-digit touchdowns. And it's just one of those schools that produces running backs, right? So he went undrafted for whatever reason. You know, we'd have to pull an NFL scout into here to understand that one. It's like a Wisconsin lineman. It's like, just draft Iowa's running back and see if he pans out, you know, at least a seventh round. Um, But they already pulled Dexter Williams back into camp. Kylan Hill's probably starting on the pup. Uh, I'm not sure what that third running back looks like, and I sort of love the idea of of taking a chance on a guy that produced in the Big Ten for three straight years. Both both good picks. Thank you. I stole two out of uh, my option to name one. Well, I guess I misunderstood this segment, but <laughs> go Quay Walker. And I didn't want to be negative because – Oh, we just we just interpret it differently, which is fine. But I'm not off of anyone's bandwagon because it's training camp and there's a lot of training camp left, even. And the the other one add uh, on to Goodson is, you look at how Kylan Hill played when he was obviously before his knee got blown out. He was involved. He was the he was the perfect almost like Aaron Jones uh, copy of some sort that just said, hey, run, do what you got to do, get us some snaps. And you saw how involved Hill was. Hill is 5'10", 210 pounds. Goodson is 5'9", 200 pounds. They're the exact same frame. I think when they their running style is very similar in my mind, I think it's a great pickup that – if this is a team that is going to be run heavy, the ability to say, Jones, you take the first three quarters, uh, you know, you got Dylan for the last three quarters, and then Goodson is just kind of this change of pace when either one of them needs a break. I, I, I'd really, really be surprised if he doesn't make it, assuming he can keep up what he showed this first kind of two or three weeks of camp and preseason. But there's, it's, it's good to know that there's a lot of love that we have for guys that we go, you know what? This is it's kind of coming to fruition that we've talked about it multiple times of whether through the draft or signings, we're just looking for gap fillers. And it's exciting that we're talking about, (laughs) hey, here's our third string uh, running back. Here's our our fourth defensive, whatever. Like, I think it's exciting to know that we have some studs up front and that we're creating this depth that hopefully will will lead to some success. But we'll have to see how the Saints game goes this weekend. and uh, yeah, it sounds like Jameis Winston's not playing, so the secondary will not get a free interception. But dang it, we'll work. Who would have gotten it though? Who would have gotten it? Douglas, Shamar, Shamar. Are they? Jones, yeah, are Jamar, they even? Bro. I don't even know who's. Yeah, I don't even know playing it. <laughs> don't play so, any of them unless yeah. Mike Thomas and I guess Olave will play, but unless Mike oh, Thomas and Let's get him an INT. Yeah. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah. 
How about any safety that wants to be the third safety on the depth chart? Go make some yeah. plays. Man, that – what was it? De, uh, Le, Le, Levitt? Levitt? Yeah, Dallin Levitt. Yeah. And him getting hurt, I was I was bummed. He, he looked good out there. I, I was excited to have him as a backup. But, we'll, yeah, somebody will step up. Nobody watches safety play on film like Josh Gibbs. Mm-hmm. The man loves to watch his safety play. <laughs> so I don't I don't have anything else to follow that up with. I know so. it feels like there's a joke to be made there, but it's not appropriate <laughs> for this podcast. <laughs> safety. <laughs> so, let's wrap it up <laughs> yeah. so that'll do it for this episode uh, we will catch you next week when we talk about a few more players getting cut a few more players hopefully making some jumps up the ladder but until then thanks everybody go pack go pack.